welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about RimWorld, a game that was developed and published by Ludeon Studios and was released in 2018 on Linux, Mac OS, Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. The first thing that we should talk about uh, before we jump into the game is uh, what you just heard a few seconds ago. Uh, we got a new theme song by some guy. Huzzah, his name was Zane. What a good dude On Zane Fiverr, was. yeah. Uh, so we're, re- we're gonna lift the old theme song into the rafters and replace it with this new one. Yes. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I think a little overdue. Yeah, we'd been using that one for, since the, since episode, like, 99, I think, is the first episode that it was on. Yeah. Or it was 100, and then I didn't acknowledge it until 101. <laughs> I forget. It was something like yeah. that. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good couple of years uh, on that one. So, new theme song, everybody get excited, get pumped. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So, history. History. This game can be... Kind of, uh, I don't think so, but I imagine a lot of people watch the YouTube video and see who you agree with. can be a little bit boring at times, so I'm going to start with the most boring subject imaginable, Mm -hmm. history. Uh, The first thing to state is, I just read off what is the official release date of RimWorld Mm 1.0, and I believe that when that actually, that 2018 date for Linux, Mac OS, and Windows Mm -hmm. was just that, and then the PS4 and, and Xbox versions only came out, like, a couple years ago. Yeah, like, last year, something like that. That is, in fact, what the Wikipedia page said. Fantastic. Uh, and the game has actually been in a playable state for a, oh, about 10 years now, since 2013, uh, was when its first alpha released. Um, I want to say the game picked up its popularity sort of like in the mid-2010s, like somewhere around like 2016, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had first heard about it in that era, like around that time. Uh, and <laughs> which means and that we'll get into, uh, I had a bit of a leg up on you when it came to <laughs> starting this game uh, because I had seen it played before. And seeing the game in motion really drives home like the things that are important and what you need to do and the game can be very complicated otherwise yeah yeah i i thought that i had never heard of it before you started playing it but i i don't think that's actually true (laughs) i think i probably heard around it about it around 2018 but forgot that it existed (laughs) there's a uh there's an open secret in the no clip uh (laughs) lore that a good amount of inspiration for us doing this podcast came from a different podcast that was called Idle Thumbs uh, that both me and JJ listened to uh, regularly prior to beginning the podcast. Like for It's been about 10 years, honestly, since I started listening to them. Mm-hmm. And they stopped making episodes a while ago, so like this isn't a weird promo <laughs> spot for them. They're closed down. They don't do things anymore. But it was Idle Thumbs that introduced me to the game in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was always interested in it, but thought that it would be a game that I hated because of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it will become clear. Uh, but the funny thing, and my second piece of history knowledge that I have to share, um, is 
that this is actually less complicated than the game that it is a direct inspiration mm. from. So RimWorld is a colony sim uh, like management game. Uh, which is a, a pretty narrow genre, all things considered. These aren't exactly filling up your shelves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, and many games like it, take direct inspiration from a game that came out in 2006 called Dwarf Fortress. Man, I would have bet so much money Dwarf Fortress was from, like, the 1989. R- yes, correct. <laughs> and the reason for that is because Dwarf Fortress, up until literally... I think last year did not have rendered graphics. It had it displayed everything in like an ASCII or teletext style that is just symbols that represent things on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is not a fact based podcast. <laughs> it is an opinion based one. So do not take my word for this. But I believe I've read that uh, Tynan Sylvester, the guy who. Uh, who actually makes RimWorld, has stated that it it was a direct inspiration on the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing about Dwarf Fortress is every single thing in in Dwarf Fortress is simulated, and you can see how that works in RimWorld in a a similar way, but it is so much toned down from Dwarf Fortress, which is is very simulation-heavy. It's like the entire purpose of it. There's a, a famous story about Dwarf Fortress, about how someone was playing, and they had a room where someone had spilled wine, and a cat walked into the room, and the game said the cat's fur is absorbent, and so the cat absorbed some of the spilled wine, and then later it said, oh, cats clean themselves by licking their fur, and then the cat became drunk. And it is enough of like a persistent meme that if you look at the trailer for the Steam version of Dwarf Fortress that just came out, one of the splash images is like, we have drunk cats. Mm. Because it's just like a thing in the game that people like picked up on and like to tell that story. Uh, RimWorld is nowhere near as like deep in its simulation as Dwarf Fortress is. And so to me, it's it's amusing because RimWorld is... is Probably the single most complicated game that we've ever talked about on the podcast. Yeah. But it is the more accessible (laughs) version of the thing that sort of invented the genre. Right. Uh, And it's just, I don't know. It's funny, especially having watched you play with functionally no understanding of the game prior. Right. Uh, How was your experience? (laughs) I don't even know where to start. Um, Sure. I think much like... um, the game Sacrifice, which we talked about like last year or whenever that was. Yeah. Uh, this is so far outside my wheelhouse that I have a hard time like knowing what to say about it. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Uh, I guess I can say that. Um, Sacrifice or RimWorld? Uh, either. Okay, that's good. Um, <laughs> but it is super not my thing. Um, yeah. So I mean, if. It, 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 it's I almost would like compare it to like Monster Hunter mm-hmm. or a game that like. You can spend a lot of time playing and feel like you've barely scratched the surface. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I played this for, like, 14 hours and feel like I experienced so little of it. Right. Um, but that's, like, the length of, like, it, like a full-length game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm at, like, 140 hours and still feel like I have more to do. I still have, like, ideas for themes for colonies that I want to try or like try different biomes or things like that. So the the depth of this game is is off the 
off the chain, <laughs> as the kids say <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one other thing, I guess, to, to mention up front, um, if you are listening to this podcast because you are a member of the like larger RimWorld community and not somebody who listens to this podcast specifically, uh, I should note that we did not play with any mods. I know that mods are an enormous part of the online scene for this game. Uh, it's not something that we do. Mm-hmm. On the podcast at all. Like, if we're going to talk about a game, we want to talk about sort of the published version of the game. Uh, but beyond that, some of y'all, I don't think, are playing <laughs> RimWorld anymore. <laughs> like, I like to mod a game on occasion for kicks and fun. Um, most notably, things like Elden Ring randomizers like took over my life for a little bit. I found that extremely engaging to do. Uh, and I might get there with RimWorld eventually and want to apply mods to get new things. But, like... The way that the game is set up, Vanilla RimWorld is so rich in content that it is difficult to even justify <laughs> installing mods. Uh, I played with the DLC due to weird technical issues. You played with just biotech. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just biotech is like a huge amount of shit. Like, there were not children in RimWorld prior to biotech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you got at least a little bit of like the more expanded experience and uh later on i want to talk about why i love ideology and think it's one of it's like artorius of the abyss levels (laughs) like favorite dlcs uh but to me like i i think this game on its own is so much that it would i more content would just make my brain melt and Mm -hmm. fall out my nose so uh yeah, so this is a... We're talking about regular RimWorld here. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so so RimWorld as a colony sim, it starts off in what I would say is like... Uh, it, it, it tries very hard to not completely overwhelm the player and then fails <laughs> entirely at that goal. Uh, and I will argue later that I think that this is like an integral and important part of the <laughs> game's design, but your first experience with the game is always going to be uh, not knowing what to do and doing things incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the game's tutorial? I know this already, but <laughs> yes. for the people. <laughs> uh, it all, I think it made me more confused than I would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it felt like it... It try. It seemed like it tried. It's hard for me to remember what it even had me do. Yeah. At this point, but it seemed like it tried to like just walk me through the most important stuff. But it seemed like it was leaving out a lot of things. Like it, the, I couldn't like pinpoint the logic of it, and felt like I was not at all ready to start after completing it. Mm-hmm. And I can I can attest you were not ready. To, well, I mean, you were ready to start. I think that you fell victim a bit to the constraints of the podcast here, mm. because the ideal situation I think is to, and I have to give credit, the tutorial while not being very comprehensive what it does do is it sets you up with a square room (laughs) Mm. and some food and says now that you're done with the tutorial you can just turn on the rest of the game and play with the the colony that you have set up so if you put in work to determine like who your colonists were going to be and where on the map you were going to start 
and all that other stuff that you can actually begin a game. And I think that the way to play the game, if you're just picking it up, is to do that. Start with the tutorial, then turn on a storyteller and a difficulty setting and just play and lose. And losing early is great because if you lose early, then you know what you did wrong uh, and can sort of work backwards when you start a new colony and then begin again. You needed to just get as much of the game in as you could in the time that you had. Right. Uh, and so it, it didn't end up working out that way. You did continue the colony and lose and start a new one. Right, but it took like seven hours. Right, yeah. yeah. So it just ends up being kind of a thing. Um, my first colony, I think I played for like 30 hours. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and it's still alive. It didn't die. Uh about 14 colonists have died in that time, and mm -hmm. then I have a, a, a room full of sarcophagi that they all rest in. But uh, it, it did, like, it kept going, and I don't think that that was good for my overall. I mean, obviously, I still like the game, mm -hmm. but I, I wish that I had lost and restarted sooner. One, so that I could have gotten into ideology sooner, because it doesn't start you with an ideology when you do the tutorial. Mm -hmm. But just like, that learning process. Like, if I looked back at my first base, I would just vomit <laughs> and be like, oh, Lord, I can't believe I was doing this. Like, why is this over here and that over there? Why did I give everybody individual bedrooms? It's such a fucking <laughs> hassle to deal with. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's it's interesting because the, the game doesn't give you a lot of guidance and it just sort of wants you to fail forward, I think, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of discouraging for a lot of people. Yeah, like for me, it's the time investment. So I, I think you're like absolutely correct. Like it, it would be most beneficial to fail quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me, like the amount of time it took before it got hard enough for me to die and like everything bad happened at once and I just everything went up in flames. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, like, I think both my colonies lasted seven hours, <laughs> uh, and instead of wanting to keep playing and do a new colony, I instead wanted to stop playing. Right. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I guess there's also, this is a game that if you pick up, you will know, I, I don't want to say quickly, but you'll know before too long whether or not this is a game, like, for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I came in thinking that it wasn't going to be a game for me and regretted the four years that I have known about the game and did not play it. Right. Um, I think that other people would pick it up, play it for a while, and then go, nope, no, sir. Uh, this is either boring or too hard or there's too much to manage. And that gives you sort of, like, an, an anxious feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's no good. So... Yeah, I, for me, it's a time thing. Like, I feel like I don't have enough free time uh -huh. to invest in it. Um, so if you like to get into it, you really have to, like, pour a bunch of time and attention into it. Like, I feel like like if I was, like, in college and then I had, like, a roommate to play it with, like, consistently. Like, I think I enjoy, like, the scenarios and the things that happen mm -hmm. better when I have someone there I can, like, talk about it with. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, somebody, like, backseating, like, while I play, or vice versa, I think would be ideal for me. Right. And I did, uh, in the interest of, of trying to give you the best experience that 
I could while still helping you along so that you didn't have to spend even more time mm-hmm. just trying to figure out how the mechanics of the game works. I did intentionally not tell you about a few key mechanics mm-hmm. that I, when I found out about, sort of changed the way that I played the game. And to me, sort of negatively, I'm never going to have the no clip pod crash my first colony <laughs> ever again because that colony is uh is is born of a naivete that I no longer have um and it's stuff that's like just in the game text but you would have to really search to find it mm-hmm. um much like a lot of these things so uh before I move on I do want to say I personally highly recommend this game uh Andy probably is not as hot uh, I, I think this is the most niche game we've ever played, so, uh... <laughs> We're I, narrow casting right now. Yeah, I think, like, I think you already said it, like, if you're even a little bit interested, look into it, and you'll know <laughs> if this is the kind of thing that you could get into. Yeah. Uh, if you're, like, kind of on the, like, the fringe, like me, where it seems interesting enough to play you're not going to like want to put forth the effort to get into it. Right. Probably. <laughs> it is a lot of work to some extent. Uh but I am going to start what talking. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about mechanics uh on a on a more like nitty-gritty level and I think this does kind of spoil the fun of the opening parts of the game. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind if you haven't played the game yet. Um the threat of things that come to murder you uh, in uh, is based on colony wealth, uh, which is why your uh, your the the way that you sort of like build and develop dictates how quickly things scale up and start to become difficult. Uh, so there is a basically the concept is you once you know that you want to only ever build things that are going to help you survive and anything else that's superfluous you want to hold off until way later in the game Mm -hmm. when you're already pretty well defended uh and like i didn't tell you that because i remember my first colony being like "Uh uh-huh i can build like a a, like a decorative urn or some shit uh and i was like constructing these like huge sculptures and stuff because i had like these artistic uh colonists and stuff Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah i gotta get this like the fucking the grand steely or whatever it's called uh, with like an inscription of a time that somebody beat another one of the colonists at chess. And I was just tickled to death by this. But then I had like eight people and a raid of like 25 dudes <laughs> with bows and arrows showed up. And I was like, oh no, what do I do? I'm freaking out. And like, I'm scrambling around and running around and trying to get like a good angle on it. Because the combat in this game is... Uh, it's, I guess it's like real-time strategy combat, but you can pause all the time. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time paused and trying to figure out where I need to send people. And then I unpause and immediately one of them gets shot in the face and slows down. And then I have to rework my whole strategy. Uh, later on, I've discovered like more efficient defensive ways, but that kind of drama is what drove me to continue playing the game longer. The reason I know any of this stuff is because I was in I was so into playing the game that I just eventually had to learn and pick stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's like to me I think like your first playthrough of this game is always going to be it's always going to be a, it will end in tragedy. 
100% of the time. I was playing on like one of the easiest difficulty levels using Phoebe Chillax as my storyteller. And I still like, I lost the whole colony to, uh, to, to boomalopes. <laughs> I, I had a boomalope revenge or something or a mad boomalope event. And they just beat down every single person. Uh, and any of them that I killed burned down parts of my colony. Like it just destroyed the whole fucking map. Uh, and, and, and like, and that's great to me. Like, I think that's, <laughs> that's an amazing way for it to end <laughs> and why I, I lo- reloaded it immediately. I was like, I can't let that. And then after a minute, it sort of sank in and I was like, it's time to start a new one. That's the end of the no clip pod crash. Right. They burn to death <laughs> fighting wild animals. <laughs> uh, and, and that to me is, is why I think the complication in the mechanics is part of the design and, and is good. Uh, I don't know how your first colony <laughs> starved to death. If I remember correctly. Yeah. God, it's hard for me to remember now. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was a cold snap that like killed all the crops mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I, then I think like something happened. Like we got like in like it's like raided and like I, it's just like a couple of things happened and like the the cook or whatever wasn't able to keep cooking and like a bunch of stuff went wrong at once, mm-hmm. which is like what happened with my second colony as well. And I don't remember the details super well, but yeah, we just like ran out of food and couldn't, you know, uh, grow anymore. Yeah, and starve to death. <laughs> and that was, and there it was, the end. Yes, uh, I think honestly that describes better than I could have hoped. Why I don't think this game is for you, mm-hmm. uh, because it is like, yeah, what happened was a series of bad events happened, and then your colonist died, but like. I remember their oh. names and shit. Yeah, something else. Uh, we got a yeah, we got raided and then so we were starving. <laughs> we actually didn't starve to death. Oh, that's good. Uh, we were starving though. The crops were definitely gonna get us. <laughs> uh, but though we got raided and then everybody got killed. Yeah. Uh, and then the man in black showed up and then immediately also got killed. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, everyone just he just bled out and then. I think everything caught on fire somehow too. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> just to make sure you yeah. didn't think that you were going to pick uh, back. Yeah, so up. you can watch your your uh, base burn down. Yeah, uh, while it uh, while uh, everything. Yeah, while you just wait for your last co- colonist to die. Yeah, that was uh, when you asked like. <laughs> I, like, came out and was like, how's it going? You were like, what do you do when everyone is dead? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Interesting question. Yeah, because, like, yeah, like, the man in black was just, like, bleeding out. Like, he wasn't quite dead yet. Right. I just had to, like, sit there and wait for him to die. Before it gives you a prompt as to, like, what to do next. Yeah, which takes, like, a surprisingly long time. Yeah. I think the game expects you to know things that you have no way of knowing at times. (laughs) And one of those things is, like, at that point, the colony is done. Yeah. Like, you can't really do anything, but it won't actually prompt you about it until after everything has already happened. Yeah. So you end up with that situation where you're just sort of, like, staring while the the <laughs> while the walls literally burn around you mm-hmm. and it's like well i can't control anyone or do anything 
so what next? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't know at that point, like, maybe... Because the game already sent you the, men in, the man in black. Right. The the person who shows up when your colony dies. Um, so you're like, is there now a second thing? Like, can I stay on the tile and pick new colonists? Like, is it like D&D? Mm-hmm. Well, it does say that someone else might just show up. Which is true, and yeah. Move in, but I did not choose that option. Yeah, I don't know how, if they, like... Because I know that certain events are tied to, like, the state of the game. Mm-hmm. So it is possible, maybe, like, if you have no colonists and you just wait on the map for a while, they'll, a joint event will just occur uh, more... Because, re- like, that's a rare event that doesn't happen very often. Uh, but maybe it does. Like, it rains more often if there's a lot of fire on the map. Like, <laughs> there are very specific things that trigger events... Uh, so maybe that's one of them, but I've never <laughs> sat and waited either, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think um, the, the quality of the game is tied to the fact that it is easy to die, and that there are a lot of complicated interactions that we can t- talk more specifically about. Um, but to me, I feel like the game advertises itself as a story generator the idea is not so much that you play to win the game has three endings sort of four we'll talk about them uh but the the actual game is really just playing and surviving and trying to make good decisions and i think that the game is complicated in an effort to overwhelm you in more subtle ways than that introductory overwhelming Mm -hmm. because at the beginning of the game you go like I don't know what to do. I don't know where anything is. What is an architect menu? Why would I fuck with their sleep schedules? I don't understand any of this. But then when you get deeper into the game, there will just be something that you didn't pick up on. One of your colonists is cutting a stone block and he goes, Oh, I ran out of stone blocks. I'm going to go to the fucking whole other side of the map to go get a stone block and he wakes up like a mech cluster and then they show up and fucking fly in and start shooting at you like i think the game wants to be complicated enough that you will eventually lose control Mm -hmm. in some way and that that will spiral into some series of events that are that's going to be notable. The example I just gave really happened to me, and I have not <laughs> forgiven Stanislav for doing it. He will remain my least favorite guy uh, in that colony because he was such a shithead, and also because he decided to just bring doom upon us. Uh, so there's like lots of little things like that that I think uh, I think it's intentional. Is what I, is yeah, what I yeah. think I mean, yeah. I mean, I agree. Cool. <laughs> Can you tell that I've played the game for uh, ten times longer? <laughs> it does seem pretty obvious. Uh, all right. Um, so, I guess, do you want to talk about just, like, mechanics generally? Like, how sure. the game works? Uh, you, you start the game, you pick, like, a map and your colonists... And ideology, which I'll get into at some point, maybe. I don't know. I might just, like, do a bit on it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they all have skills, things that they're good at, and traits, uh, which are basically modifiers, things that that colonist in particular 
is. If your colonist is tough, they will take less damage. If your colonist is neurotic, they'll work harder, but they're more likely to have mental breaks. Their thresholds are different. Uh, and the goal of the game, in essence, is, yes, to survive, but also to keep your colonists happy. Because if they are unhappy, then they can have mental breaks, which takes them out of your control, which makes them honestly much more dangerous than the explicit threats that the the game throws at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of sort of micromanagement of individual people. Uh, and I wonder if that is like... I'm wondering like what it is exactly that I uh, that made the game sort of more overwhelming for you or like <laughs> not fun to manage like what parts of it were were too much like was it that or was it like resource gathering or stuff like that I think it's more that like it's it's honestly probably more like just like the UI okay and yeah. stuff to me like I feel like it's laid out in such like a like ugly like <laughs> old computer like everything's under these little collapsible windows and the thing that you want is never in the place that you think it's gonna be or it's like an extra layer deep right then you think it's gonna be um just not knowing where to find stuff like having the thought of like i want to do this and then being like uh <laughs> like i don't know how to do that it mm-hmm. was like the consistent thing that kept happening to me. Yeah, I d- made a joke at the end of the last episode that this game controls a little bit like Microsoft Excel, and you're not—it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it but does you can have... tell it's made by like a computer person. Yeah, like and not like an art an art person. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it's and it's difficult really to tell how much of it is necessity how much of it is intentional obfuscation and how much of it is just a lack of, of like understanding of UX design. Uh, I mean, I think it's a little of everything. Yeah. Um, like, cause yeah. Cause like the thing, the big thing that I would do if you, you just dropped me onto this development team is completely nuke the UI and rework <laughs> it entirely. Uh, see, this might be a different. This might be a personal difference. Yeah, I think that the presentation of this game is really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't hate it, but like the design principles are bad. <laughs> what <laughs> that about can't be it? denied. Uh, yeah, because uh, I, I also <laughs> this is a, a maybe a like a super hot take, but like uh. I also feel that way about Excel. Oh, like yeah, the exact sure, yeah. same way. Like I really wish Microsoft would completely redesign <laughs> Excel because its whole purpose is to organize information, and I think it's awful at it. It's yeah. an eyesore to look at. Um, but that aside, it, people have been using it for years, and they would riot if you changed it. Um, That's true. But uh, yeah, I, I just feel like the like the 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 tiny little rectangle windows feel like so Windows XP. Mm-hmm. Like it just. And, like, things are labeled, like, architect. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, I, I just, I feel like everything could be a lot more intuitive. And it's really hard to just, like, explain. Because design is hard. And it takes lots of work and True. research and testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff that, like, you know, indie developers usually aren't able to do as well. Like, anywhere close to as well as uh, actual <laughs> studios. Fucking Microsoft. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, even games with, like, big budgets have terrible menus sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I, I just think everything's so hard to find. And it's like got this little cluster of little icons in the bottom right corner that aren't labeled uh-huh. and you can't see what they are and you don't know what they do. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's such a big issue in my opinion. Um, just is in far as like usability that it's hard to like, know. you can't put your finger on like one thing. Right. Yeah. And it gets more complicated because I picked the game up. Uh, the first time that I ever played the game, right. Was after all of the DLC had come out and the menu, the architect menu, which is like all reliable, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. anytime that you need something, you're like, it's probably in the architect menu. That's where you go for your planting zones and telling people to mine stuff, which why is that an architect? <laughs> Nobody knows any buildings that at least makes sense. And that makes sense to be an architect anyway. But then if you've been playing the game for a while, the game, it ends at the bottom with the ship menu mm. uh, which you un- only unlock when you researched uh, the starship basics and then later the other parts and it's just building the ship which is how you end the game mm-hmm. but then underneath of that if you have the <laughs> dlc it adds two new menus but for me that was just always there mm. so i would it would be like you need to build an altar or, a, or not an altar but a uh a, a meditation throne because i had a pawn who is uh Brief aside, I'm going to say pawn on occasion because I have immersed myself in RimWorld content, right? Uh, which is horrible, over the last, like, you know, month or two, however long it's been since so I've been playing the game, like, regularly. And uh, and they use the term pawn in the game files. They refer to the characters as pawns. It makes sense. They're, like, little bodies with big heads. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, a pawn shape. Uh, I hate the term pawn, but I've just like adopted it because I've heard it so many times. What are those toys? Like those Fisher Price toys? Like that's how I thought of them. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of like the little farmer guy, Uh you know, (laughs) because they have no arms and legs. Yeah, exactly, and a big head. Just sort of waddle around. They're not quite weebles. Right. You know, yeah, they're more like that Fisher Price toy. And God knows they love to fall over. They sure like to fall down. Yeah. Uh, Or just lay down and stare at the sky (laughs) for six hours a day. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to say pawn sure. because it's just part of my thing. I prefer to call them colonists because it, it, it I don't like dehumanizing them. Not on a moral level. <laughs> right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, I don't like dehumanizing them because I think it, it takes away from the impact of the story. If you call them pawns and you still feel like you're connected to your dudes, then I'm a-okay with it. But me personally, I would, I like to call them colonists and we'll try to, uh, but regardless, uh, I had a colonist who was a uh, who was a who had gained a title and a side link level from the empire, uh, which is something that royalty added. And uh, royalty didn't get a menu <laughs> in the architect menu; it's just under furniture, mm-hmm. which I guess makes some sense. A throne is furniture technically, but there's now also a menu called ideology, which seems like where you would put a meditation throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I click on that; it's not there. But what is there is confusing to me. <laughs> I'm like, what is a skull spike? What like I understand what it's for after reading the little tooltip for it, but like. I didn't research this. I don't know why this is under ideology. That doesn't make any sense because I didn't know what the ideology system was uh, because I was in this tutorial run still. So there's like all kinds of shit. And like biotech, it makes sense for things that are specifically biologically related. Mm -hmm. 
but just so, but also that's where all the mech stuff is which is mechanical i don't know <laughs> yeah it, it makes sense when you know yeah 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 i mean you can learn any system yeah but when you first see it it's like it it seems really arbitrary Mm-hmm. Where they put certain things. Yeah, like it was like oh like where like where are floors? It's like randomly floors have their own little menu. <laughs> yeah, outside of the structures. Yeah, menu. and like orders is also under architect mm-hmm. and it's just like I yeah, the, even you were describing it better, like all these like specific examples of like I this is here and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like the names of all the menus, like uh I remember my first colony after you left because <laughs> you had been helping me. <laughs> like I wanted to plant something and I couldn't for the life of me remember how to change what plant I was planting. Oh yeah. And it's like you have to like unclick and reclick and like it's like uh, like stuff like that. It like really adds up, I yeah. think, for me. Yeah, and especially early on, too. Like, you you end up with so much happening all at one time. Exactly, yeah. It's hard under pressure to remember that stuff. And the game gives you a lot of, like, leeway as far as, like, what you're actually under time pressure to do. Like, you can pause the game at any time. Uh, You can save and reload as long as you haven't selected commitment mode. Uh, And so you have a lot of option. You can say, oh, I did that wrong. And pause a game, cancel it, make a new one. But, like, that is the stuff that, that as somebody playing a video game in their free time, it doesn't want to do. Like, it's not really fun <laughs> to, to cancel and redo growing zones. Right. There's Yeah, nobody... That's not on the back of anybody's <laughs> box, you know? RimWorld, now with cancelable growing zones, uh, is, not a, is not appealing to people. So you do sort of, like, go through that. I know that I lived in this game on pause and 3x speed right like i rarely was doing it at regular speed unless i was actively in combat at the time yeah i would leave it on two if like there was stuff happening that like i wanted to like be sure to like observe right yeah but yeah like when you want to pass time you have it on three i never used one (laughs) unless i was getting attacked yeah and it like forces you on one in that case it disables the faster speeds um so yeah, it, it is like it is very much like a very management heavy. The UI is extremely like you said, it, it is it's really obtuse, hard to get yeah. used to. And there are menus that I'd swear to you <laughs> have a use. But God is it difficult to tell someone about it. Like I got you on Oh yeah, I think you told me about the uh the schedules menu, I think yeah. way too soon. <laughs> I think uh, it couldn't have been this guy. I think it was, the, or maybe it was like it, it was, was combining we, like the like the house zone with the schedules and like like a cold snap happened. I'm like I need to tell everyone to stay inside, right? But like my house was bigger or smaller or something at the time. I was like, how do I edit this? <laughs> I was like trying to like do a bunch of shit. I probably didn't even need to do, and I'm like can't figure it out. Yeah, it's zones are important, but stupid uh and i i do i if we're talking about things i like most of this game i do not like zones i think zones are overly complicated uh and require far too much micromanagement for me to want to deal with i did try and teach you zones because it is you have like if you get a manhunter pack or a mass animal insanity mm-hmm. or a cold snap or something and you just need people to stay indoors 
having a zone that you can just set everyone to in a second is really nice. But yeah. as you build and change things, you have to make sure that you're managing your zones to make sure the zones are in the same place. I had this problem in uh, my first colony and then again on a colony <laughs> that I started like four days ago that I set an indoor zone for these emergency situations, went on for a while and never edited it. And then had a situation where I needed to put everyone inside. And so I put everyone inside, but I accidentally didn't realize that now they couldn't access food. (laughs) (laughs) Because they were set to indoors, but indoors had now expanded and did not include my food storage. So they were just like wandering around starving (laughs) for us. Like, why is everyone starving now? (laughs) I get a little notification. And it's like I had to go in and be like, oh, right, my zone doesn't allow them to go get the food to eat and like you turn that off and everybody's like oh they sprint in and grab food (laughs) yeah and it just it seems like that specifically would be really easy to just have like some kind of command to have them stay inside right rather than having to like manage the size of the zone (laughs) that is inside (laughs) yeah And and it comes down to just sort of like it's one of those things where the more freedom you want to give the user. Right. And I am using the word user here because this is more of a program than it is a game. <laughs> uh, the more complicated that the system actually is. Mm-hmm. So you, you do have to like, because maybe you want them to be inside in one room, but not in another. Right. Like you can make like a growing room for things that has like a, a thermonuclear whatever or right. geothermal vent in it. And way too hot for people to stay in there. But it would be inside it's counted as indoors so yeah staying indoors as like a command would be a good idea though because that's like a weird edge case that the game does allow you to avoid (laughs) but at what cost you know yeah uh yeah that and like work priority i think is a big one um you were very receptive honestly to manual work priority more so than i i was it took me a long time before I was, like, willing to make the switch. Oh, yeah. It just made sense to me for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, I'd rather... Because, like, I'd rather... It, it sounds really unappealing to me mm-hmm. to set it to auto and have them doing things that... And I didn't know, like, why or doing things I didn't want them to. Like, that happened on manual. Yeah. I was like, I really want them to do a specific thing, and then like I think I have all the numbers good, and then they just don't do that thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like putting it on auto just seemed unappealing to me from the start. That's good, and that is how you should be. If if you're picking up the game for the first time, get used to manual work priorities because they change everything. Um, because your colonists are going to have skills in certain like areas, and you really want especially later on as you start to get more colonists, you want people to like specialize to become very good at it so that you can have one person who is now, obviously this bears the the downside of if they get murdered by a pig, uh, then, uh Oh, now you don't have somebody who's good at construction, but you just sort of like build on people's strengths and ignore You min max their strengths and weaknesses um, and manual work priorities is just like how you do that. If you have a good artist and somebody who's like good at art, but also they're pretty good with plants too, but not like the best at plants. And then you use manual and you use automatic work priority. 
then it's just going to they're just going to do plants mm-hmm. all the time they'll never, never do make art, art yeah yeah <laughs> so it really like it it you need to do it in order to get any of like the lo- the lower tier activities done at all research is obviously the important one because it is the last priority and it is how you win the game <laughs> right I, I said winning is not it not the point but you do have to research in order to stay alive yeah, uh, and by default, the game just will never have somebody doing it. Ah, that's been pr- that's been good. You wanna? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we got a good back and forth going. Yeah, do we, we, do, yeah, do we want to switch our uh, break priority to one? Yeah, I think we should probably uh, do that, and then we'll we'll switch uh, podcast priority back to one after, after the, the break. break. Welcome back. Uh, so everybody have fun. We have a good first half there. <laughs> uh, the best, the best half. That's great. Because um, now we're going to talk about slavery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best subject to talk about. Yeah, everybody loves that. Um, <laughs> so I'm not confident in my ability to comment on the politics of RimWorld as viewed through like a any kind of objective lens here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I did not, I did think about it a lot, but I was never able to come to a conclusive conclusion. Mm-hmm. I do not think that there's anything problematic, so to speak, with RimWorld. I think that it is a, a game that contains some transgressive ideas, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and slavery is, is obviously the one that is the most, like, on the nose, uh, that I do want to talk about, uh, but it is weird <laughs> because, like, I uh, uh, like to approach things as, uh, particularly things that are like transgressive, as being something that they that is trying to say something. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to there to be a uh, like a goal to it. And when when you talk about slavery in RimWorld, it kind of takes a bit of an easy way out with it, because it is it's something that I believe was added in ideology, and uh, is just in the game as slavery it uses the word slavery, uh, and your pawns can have different opinions towards slavery. They can find it abhorrent, or they could be in favor of it. Um, and that is like a character decision for those characters, but it is it to me. It's like the fact that slavery kind of sucks. Like using slaves is not like a big boon. Feels like there's almost no reason to engage with it, uh, and it makes it could make you feel like oh, I'm being very pious by mm-hmm. not engaging <laughs> in slavery, even though it exists in this world. Uh, but also, it is just difficult to manage, and like, it's like just another thing that you have to deal with. But there's lots of other just like horrible things that happen in real world that can happen to your pawns that you can do to other people. You can horv- harvest organs or harvest organs. Uh, 
You can do things like I did where I like ca- captured people and then ripped their jeans out and then released them. Like that's probably not good. And I know that the joke on the internet is that R- that RimWorld is a war crimes simulator. <laughs> Because you have all of these horrible options. And it's interesting because, like, obviously the setting of the game is this, like, science fiction setting uh, with interplanetary travel but no light speed. So, like, everything progresses at a more natural pace. Uh, You're not getting a lot of aid from highly advanced civilizations. So... It, it, like, makes some amount of sense in, like, a Mad Max-style world. Yeah, I mean, you're on a rim world, which implies you're on, like, the outskirts of civilization where lawlessness happens. Right. Uh, But it's just interesting that it's in there, and the the game certainly doesn't, like, actively encourage it. You didn't get far enough in the game where you were tearing jeans out of people's no. bodies. I did have a slave trader come by, though. Correct. Yeah, you had one slaver show up. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. I did not buy any slaves. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't really seem uh, beneficial to me at all, uh, so I did not think a lot about it. But, um, yeah, because I think I it seems, as you were just saying, like very... Uh, thematically appropriate, right? right? Like, slavery is a thing that exists and totally would exist in this kind of environment. Right. Um, no need to pretend that it doesn't or wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but I didn't thought about, like, mechanically. Like, uh-huh. you just engaging as being a slave owner in gameplay. Uh, that's a little bit weirder to... Uh, wrap your head around. It's, like, unsettling, right? Yeah. Like, it's something that you wouldn't consider doing the fact that the game presents you with the option which could be the strength of it honestly mm-hmm. like i said i don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with it um yeah, not think... slavery but <laughs> having it in the game yeah, yeah i think you got to commit to the concept i think so as well if it's really silly yeah, you know yeah. as long as like the slaves aren't all like portrayed as like being black or something right yeah yeah Yeah, like this game actually does it doesn't have the game does not contain racism kind of (laughs) (laughs) ideology contains a meme (laughs) called uh supremacist which uh, by itself means your faction considers themselves to be the dominant faction among all Mm. others uh, and that is the meme that tends to should specify meme is being yeah. used in the like yeah in the the biological sense or the ideological sense here to mean like a seed of an idea yes not in the impact font right not as an internet meme correct the actual meaning of the word meme right <laughs> so for all it, you kids out there who yeah. don't know that meme is a real word I mean I didn't know for a long time yeah. I but I've know known long enough now that it mm-hmm. seems weird that other people don't know. It's called getting older. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. I'm canonically 19. <laughs> yeah, you're 19, so you didn't know. I didn't know. I'm just learning So it. I'm educating you <laughs> as your elder? Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay. Um, Continue. Yeah, but the supremacist theme <laughs> is the one that is more likely to, or it has more options as to like how you view slavery, because subjugating people who are not members of your particular club is within the supremacist sort of, like, ideology. But 
it is not explicitly racism. However, there is a preferred xenotype, which I've never <laughs> like a eugenics mod. It kind of it's like <laughs> the way that it works is like because their multiple baseliner is like regular human, but there's like a bunch of different subgenres of human. Uh, I mentioned to you, I know the, the genies are like specifically have higher intellectual stats, but all have like the wimp trait, so they fall down easily. Uh, yeah, and the the Yitakin, which are like Wookie type people, like uh, animal beast men, uh, who tend to have high animal and plant skill, but uh, and get like an ability to uh, call animals to their aid and shit. So there's like a bunch of that stuff. And you can have an ideology that prefers one to the other, or I think just one overall. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's extremely weird because you can set these things up and it's obviously like role play to an extent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is strange to mechanically represent racism in a game. Yeah. Or mechanically represent <laughs> slavery. It, yeah. It's something that's unseemly. It's difficult for me to engage with. Yeah, as somebody that does not condone racism or slavery. Uh-huh. Uh, and Important is, things to get yes, out there. <laughs> and is also like a naive, privileged white guy in, in his 30s. Right. Uh, my My opinion, I think, would be that... I think it's okay considering its context. Like, right. it's not pro-slavery. It's not pro-racism. Um, yeah. It's like trying to simulate this, like, really fringe, like, rim world like colony where, like, everyone's fucking tried out for themselves. Uh -huh. Kind of like Wild West, but in space. Lawlessness. And I think... Including those things makes sense right. to do. Yeah, it I just... think you got to commit to the idea, or you don't have to. But I think like it's a I I like the idea of like not shying away from stuff like that. Right, and having on, it simulated. Yeah, like on paper anyway. Right. It's just one of those things. You don't that have to you... engage with it. Right. And but that's the thing is it gives you a com like complicated thoughts. Mm -hmm. It makes you think like about its inclusion like what is the context here why are these things happening and i like that element of it and what's interesting is that like i always play as a good guy in or as much as i can in rim world i don't run i i've never played with a cannibal cults like where you mm take all the people that you kill and turn them into leather and meat and then eat them and sell the leather to other people. Turning them into leather for some reason seems like the most nefarious thing. Yeah, well, that's just a byproduct of turning them into meat, True, but <laughs> it's just like the idea of like unknowingly selling them to other people oh, yeah. like as leather. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that's really unsettling. Yeah, you should watch some of the people who like min-max the game. It gets pretty fucking weird. God, that sounds like the literal opposite kind of person that I am. It also sounds to me at least like the literal opposite of what the game is like intended yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I understand the compulsion to like want to try that. Absolutely, yeah. And like, I've adopted certain strategies of the min-maxers to make the parts of the game that I find less engaging or like more tedious easier. Mm -hmm. Um, but the game doesn't even really want you to do that. Like, if they, if you find something difficult, the game just wants you to turn the difficulty down. Mm. Because you can do it in the middle of the game, and it doesn't <laughs> change anything. So, it, it is like... It's, it is a weird thing. The game is very fluid and allows you to do a lot of things. But, 
but yeah, I think I think that that kind of a thing is like <laughs> it does it. I don't know. It's creepy and strange, and I don't really jive with the people who treat it as like a gag. Who mm. are like, oh, RimWorld is like, aha! It's I turned all of the the raiders came and their lunch, and I turned them into hats. Mm. Haha. Like. To me, that feels like you're not engaging with the roleplay part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I guess if that's your thing... I mean, uh, there's always going to be people like that. For sure, you can't, yeah. uh, The you edgy can't teens yeah. of the community. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I always, I always don't engage with it, but the fact that it's there makes it, makes the fact that you're not engaging with it feel like more of a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, and to me is just like real life is like in real life. I, yeah, sort of, kind of, Uh, (laughs) people, it existed and people had to choose not to engage with it. That's true. Yeah, it, it it is a thing. Unfortunately, without slaughtering the entire population <laughs> of the planet, I do not believe that you can abolish slavery. <laughs> so that's always something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, that's my bit on the the war crime simulator no, part. It's of actually Rimworld. it's a very interesting question that I had not considered. Yeah, the the morality of the game is entirely player driven. And that can be good and bad. Mm-hmm. I think that there are too many people who don't take it seriously, but I might just be being sort of a stuffy curmudgeon about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe engaging with it has its merits in its own ways of being able to sort of like see what the how the game represents different uh, things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it even, like, trickles down to a certain extent into things like... I like to think of myself as being, like, reasonably progressively minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be slightly an understatement. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I don't want to overstate the case. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it annoys me when I, as a person, go, ah, why, why are you pregnant? Right? <laughs> like, it's something that in real life, I would not, you should not deny opportunities to people based on uh-huh. the health or their gender. However, in RimWorld, when somebody gets pregnant, it's such a fucking pain in my ass. Right. Because now I gotta have a doctor on standby <laughs> and build a crib, and I'm gonna have to care for a child Man, until just they're like 13. an unexpected pregnancy in real life. Yeah, but now I'm like <laughs> the pseudo-father of like 15 children over yeah. the course of the last few months. <laughs> And like I remember there was it was like my my first colony that actually had children my first my first ever child went horribly uh because <laughs> uh, episode title right there uh, <laughs> I had a char- I had a character who had we so there's an an event that can occur uh-huh. where refugees join your colony. Yes, yeah. So when, <laughs> when this happens, you can choose to like accept or deny them. And if you accept them, they can show up. They'll work for you for a while for a period of time. And at any point during that, if they're like in a good mood and you get a good random role, they can offer to join. They can just leave at the end of their time, or they can turn on you and attack you. And I had somebody, a refugee, join that was one of my colonists' husbands. And I said, well, certainly they're not going uh, <laughs> to uh, betray were, me. Were they like a cannibal or something? No, it was just like a regular dude. Okay. It was two dudes showed up. And uh, then? 
And then, uh, and one of them I put, like, like, at first I built them into a barracks, like, way off, away from the camp. Because mm-hmm. I've been burned before. And I was like, no, no, no. If you turn on me, I'm going to have a long period of time to get ready and shoot you to death. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I built them over there. But then I noticed that the one colonist was had a mood, it was, like, having a mental break or something. And I checked the needs, and it was, like, not sleeping with my husband. And I was like... Who's your husband? Like I've you've been here since the beginning. I do not remember you getting married to anyone. And so I'm like looking there, looking at the social tab, and it's like this one random refugee is her husband. So I was like, I guess. So I put them together in a double bed, and they're you know sleeping. He gets her pregnant, mm-hmm. and then like two days later, just turns on him and just punches her to death. Oh like, wow! Just beats her to death. And then I run in and put out the fires in the room they were staying in and stab him with a knife a bunch of times until he dies. Uh, and it was like, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, cause I was, I was like ready. I was like, oh, great children. I remember they added this to the game. So I've like built a little blackboard and a school desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first things you need to be prepared for. As soon as they they arrive in the world, is, yeah. is schooling. Schooling and a crib. Uh, we don't know how kids work in Rimworld. They're very school dependent. Uh-huh. They love school for some reason. Uh, and so that yeah, like my first child sort of ended in tragedy to an extent. But then the next two kids uh, in that colony, uh, one of which is the first kid I raised, and I didn't do. I didn't know what I was doing. And then the second kid. Uh, Love Good uh, was amazing. She kicked ass at, from the beginning. She grew up to be an amazing doctor, and she was like passionate about murdering people who wanted to murder us, which is exactly the kind of person you want to have around. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, her good-for-nothing, shit-ass brother, who sucks, grew up and immediately had a fucking... Like, when he was eight years old, he, like, dug up a corpse and just put it on the dining room table uh, because he had a weird mental break where he had a corpse obsession. And then he had another mental break later where he went on a binge of Wake Up and he became a drug addict. And he was just a complete uh, failure. Which, once again, I'm like, drug addicts are victims of circumstance. Mm-hmm. But in RimWorld, I'm like, this fucking guy <laughs> making me fucking refined psychite or whatever into hard drugs just to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, his sister fucking goes to med school. Yes. <laughs> You're learning what it would be like to be God. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and these are the kind of things... This is what I love about Rimworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love feeling like God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I just didn't play the game long enough. Because mm-hmm. I never had anything even a little bit close to like that happen. <laughs> well, obviously, I, I didn't have characters have kids. But, like, right. I never had, like... I can't think of a wacky story of, like, a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And the fact that... And I played it for 15 hours. Yeah. Or 14 hours. The fact that there was like 14 hours of gameplay there feels more of like a failure of the system than anything else. Because like, that was like, that's what drives me to play the game. Yeah, like I never had even like characters romance at all. Mm-hmm. Well, your second like, colony was all Well, men. it was all guys, yeah. but not even in the first one, you True. know. Uh, like, yeah, like, just the the interactions between characters were almost, like, non-existent. Right. 
they all just kind of do, especially at the beginning when you only have a few people. The beginning of the game is really rough uh, for a lot of reasons. One, because you have nothing and you have to build a <laughs> yes. base and live. Uh, and you're like always preparing. Like you can set the game to start at different times of the year, but by default it starts in spring and you spend a lot of time just preparing for winter. Right. There's not a lot of time for like little incidents to occur because you just have to get everything ready to survive your first winter. After that, like it's good. Like you can start sort of like just doing things for the sake of doing them. But yeah, you, you have to keep people separated. Cause like one person's over here building a thing. Another person's over here growing crops. Another person's doing research. All of these things sort of like keeping people separated, which prevents those, events from happening you Mm -hmm. don't have the good conversations you don't have friendships forming you don't have social fights where people just beat the crap out of each other for no reason yeah even though it's just like a simulated computer game (laughs) i really did feel like my colonists were all just like co-workers (laughs) and not like people living together yeah they, yeah, they did not embrace the roommate lifestyle. Not whatsoever. at all. It didn't. It never felt like that. No. The, the sitcom starring Blitz, Anders, and Dan. Yeah, was not <laughs> would not go over well. Did no, not it would get be canceled. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> Meanwhile, fucking Zach, Jet, and Sanchez, my <laughs> original three colonists, uh, were a fucking laugh riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the long-suffering Sanchez, who I didn't understand how the mechanics worked and accidentally made her prune a tree for, like, 14 hours a day for a year <laughs> by accident, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, rough stuff, let me tell you. So what do you think about those uh, quests that pop up every now and then that are like, go many, 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 many miles away from your base <laughs> And go do a thing that'll probably get you killed. Uh, I'm not for him. Yeah, I play, as I said, I played for 14 hours and I never did one. Yeah, I've played for 140 hours and I've never done one. Yeah, like there's that's not true. I've done okay, like two, sure. but still, they sound so not worth it that like I find that very strange. <laughs> Like, the whole, like, world map, too. Yes. I think that's a really interesting idea. Like, the first time I found out it existed, I was like, oh, shit, there's, like, this whole fucking generated world. (laughs) Yeah. I never even thought about that. It is called Rim World, after all. True. Not Um, Rim Tile. Yes. Not Rim Town. Not Rim (laughs) the Hundred Acres. Uh, Yes. Um... (laughs) Yes, but like I feel like it's there's never any reason to engage with it. Like it seems like you'd have to play it for fucking ever before it was worth it to ever go anywhere. Yeah, I had a colony die. It didn't. I just refused to continue playing it because I uh, there was a like a an off map. Th- so there are those quests that you mentioned that want you to move tiles and go somewhere else and do something specific. Uh, and caravanning is, isn't too terrible. Like, I mean, it is. It's like really... Like Oregon Trail mode? Yeah, it's actually terrible, and I don't know why I tried <laughs> to defend it for even a second. It sucks ass, and I don't like it. But there are some that aren't too bad. Like, there's a peace talks event that can occur where you just take somebody and just send them, and mm. they talk to someone, and then you get uh, either... 
Now, now keep in mind, I've sent people and the peace talks have gone badly, and then that person just died. Uh, but that's the pr- that's just a chance you An have assassination. to assassination, essentially. Uh, but I'll send somebody out to to the peace talks, and then you get like some social skill and also a uh, uh, diff. I forget, like a faction goodwill change based on how well they go. Um, and those to me are fine because you don't really have to micromanage it too much. But Christ Almighty, if you send somebody out, especially we haven't talked about storytellers at all. Mm. Um, that's another thing I didn't explain to you intentionally, but then on the second one I had to explain a little bit more because I was trying to convince you not to play Cassandra. You gave like a little bit of a yeah a rundown. But depending on who you're playing with or against or however you want to say it, like what storyteller you're using, uh, sometimes you can send somebody out or like a group of people out if it's like one of those things where you have to fight a bunch of stuff or like it's... The problem I had was without you don't not a in a not a uh, a quest but an event that just occurs uh, is sometimes something will be placed on the map off your tile and it will affect your tile and you have to go deal with it or else it will continue doing it. For mine, it was a forced weather event that made it a thunderstorm all the time, uh. and I just let it be a thunderstorm for like a year and a half, because I was like not ready to go fight the mech cluster to yeah. deal with it, and it was an enormous pain in my ass, and like, I, I eventually just kind of, a different time of later, like an earlier colony, was like fog, which is worse than you would think, because if there are a lot of fires, mm, it like never the, rains, so like, they just never go out. Mm, it's like the mist. It's kind of like the mist. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I think it also does make it harder for you to shoot. Uh, oh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, because that is also simulated, like what your pawn's vision is and shit. But yeah, I, I don't like the caravanning. I think they added a bunch of those things in the quest to like make it, to make people want to do it. Because uh, it's been in the game for like a little while. You can like set people up and have them go. And I like that there's nuance to it. Like if you have donkeys and shit, you can make it makes the trip go faster. You can carry more stuff, so you can take somebody and like go trade with someone who's nearby. But it, it just takes people away for so long, and you <laughs> and you're really putting them in danger mm-hmm. uh, because it's like and in both places because if you send enough people to deal with a major threat off map, then the people at your base are now much more vulnerable. Uh, it's just a, I don't know. I just don't like doing it. It feels, it feels really like, uh, like it doesn't, I don't feel compelled to want to do it. Yeah. I did not engage with it at all. Yeah. You know, I did not, I have not played the game that much, but like, it seems like the, like a classic example of like one of those thing, those features where it's like, I'd rather see it be like a way bigger part of the game or just be cut out Mm -hmm. or like be like super simple. Yeah. It's There's, in a weird middle ground. There is a rumor that the next monsters are coming. That back. monsters are coming back, and also that the next RimWorld DLC uh, is going to come out at the end of this year. Mm. And a, a lot of people are hoping that it is a rework of the world system because the world is awful. <laughs> And also in Room World, I don't like caravanning. Of course, uh, <laughs> we can all agree with that. We can all agree with that, um, and that would be nice, honestly. Also, there's like some pretty valid points, like why can you research and build a spaceship but not like a cart? 
Yeah, like a car to go, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. Not even a car. Just, like, a buggy with wheels. Yeah, Because yeah. they're horses, and they could pull A it. carriage. A carriage, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just anything at all to make it, like, make traversing yeah. the world they, easier. They invented a spaceship, but they can't invent the wheel. Yeah. It's I just, had, you know... like, Star Wars-ass back-to-tanks. <laughs> and then I had to load a muffalo with a bunch of rice <laughs> and take it in, like, 20 miles across the ocean. Yeah, that's kind of... It almost kind of feels like... A uh, like a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, because like the whole like point is the isolation. Yeah. So just like letting you make cars and or what <laughs> any kind of vehicles at all. Right. Um. Yeah. Like it would just like then you'd be able to like go. It would be a different game. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. There's already like because you can actually take your like you pick your map or whatever and you set up you make a little base and then you go. This sucks. You just you, go somewhere you else. You can go somewhere else and settle. Like, that's in the game. You can just restart at a completely different tile, which I think is really cool. Yeah. No, I'm never going to do it. <laughs> I, I have, I've never found but a reason to want to cool, do it. It would be cool, like, if there was a reason to, though. Like, I yeah. think that would be, like, really interesting if you, like, set up camp or your uh, settlement and, like, a year into it, like, something makes you move and, like, you kind of have to, like, go find a new place. Yeah. I think that sounds like it could be really cool. Right. And that can sort of happen. Like, uh, this is another, this is a, yikes, a, yikes, yikes. I think this is a biotech inclusion. So you would have, you would have had access to it eventually. Um, But in biotech, they introduced pollution, uh, which is essentially like little tiles on your map will start to turn red when they're polluted. I've only ever had this happen because of toxic waste packs. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a quest. We're late in the podcast for people who haven't played the game yet. <laughs> but if you haven't played the game and are planning to, there's a quest you're gonna get at some point. That's like the this person wants to will give you some shit, and uh, also though you have to deal with them sending you uh, like ninety toxic waste packs, and you go. I did get that. Yeah, uh, and you go, oh, well, all I have to do is, is hold on to these toxic waste I said, hell no. Oh, you said fuck off with yeah, it? Yeah, I don't okay. want to have, receive toxic waste. <laughs> the worst thing you could possibly trade me. Look, I was very tempted by whatever the reward was. Uh, and I took the toxic waste and I built it into a, a mountain. Uh <laughs> And put a cooler in there to keep it frozen so it wouldn't uh, uh, break. Okay. So, yeah, if you that's the solution. If you, okay, If yeah. you freeze toxic waste, it won't deteriorate, and then it will just stay in a pack and not become a thing. Uh-huh. However, if you have mechs or toxifier generators, they create toxic waste that you then have to fucking deal with, and there's really no end to it. It is sort of an allegory for the actual environmental disaster. Yeah, much like real life. Yeah. So what do you do with the toxic waste packs? Well, you Uh, can fight an increasing ladder of incredibly difficult mech boss fights. And then when you kill the last one, you can research a thing that incredibly slowly removes toxicity from your (laughs) uh, map. Or... There's a uh, a tree that will grow if there's already a bunch of pollution, and it you also know, like, very slowly, it. yeah, absorbs it. Uh, or 
You can you load it into a pod and, and shoot, shoot it, it into at, space. Well, not into space. Uh, you can't get there. You shoot it at a like a different colony. So you nuke somebody, and then they will attack you if you do it to a sufficiently advanced colony. I've discovered that they just send it back, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, but you, yeah, you can pod drop it. Other way, if you drop it on a place where there isn't anyone, uh, the the nearest faction will just get mad at you. Uh, but you can't really do that in on mass either. So it is just like a growing problem uh, and that I do kind of like managing. But taking on like 90 at once is a big pain in the ass and don't do it. <laughs> uh, I forgot what even... Oh, yeah. Sometimes your map could just get real polluted and right, you have to move. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one way you can move. Uh... Can I talk about why Ideology is, like, one of the best DLCs ever Yeah, made? yeah, I wanted you to tell me, like, what the DLCs I did not play oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. added to the game. Right, so I'm not going to be able to enumerate everything. Right. Obviously, one, because there's too much, but two, I just don't know, like, what... I know, like, certain things were added with certain DLCs, and some were, like, free additions to the game, and I don't know what the fuck any of it was. I know that, like, I think Royalty added fences, uh, which also is just part of the game now. Like, it's just in the vanilla game without the DLC. Uh, but they didn't exist in the original game. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so Royalty, the main thing is it added the, the Empire, uh, which is a faction that you probably... Oh, no, you wouldn't have had them, I guess, without Royalty. Uh, they're a faction like the tribes and the raiders and stuff. Uh, and the people that you trade with, uh, except they are, like, very advanced, uh, and if you do quests for them, you can receive what's called honor, and if you have a colonist get honor, uh, then they can move up the ranks in royalty. They it added a new ending, the Royal Ascent, where you become, like, a duke in the <laughs> in the Empire, and then they will just take you off-world. Mm. Um, so that's one way of ending the game. Uh, but, but it also adds uh, psychic powers if you they like if you become a certain level in the uh, in the empire they'll send a guy in a robe to implant a device into your brain to give you psychic powers uh, and the the powers you get are entirely random mm -hmm. you can only choose if you buy skill trainers which are like devices that you get that usually cost about like between 600 and like 3000 silver for one uh so they can get pretty pricey uh and they'll teach you skills but you have to be the appropriate side level it's just like a whole other management thing yeah you can become the quizats hatterack you can be the quizats hatterack <laughs> i feel so dune <laughs> well dune is like pretty obviously an inspiration yeah, 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 on yeah. this to some extent but uh, but yeah, essentially yeah. that there's like different things. There are a lot of social abilities. Like you could make people get over uh, like traumatic events that they have with psychic powers. You can also teleport people with them. You can just set up little light balls. There's lots of like interesting stuff and they're, they're so utilitarian that I think it's just a very cool way of adding like utility to pawns. It's, it's, it's just a cool thing. It also adds the animatry, which it just spawns on every tile uh, and if you have anybody with the natural meditation type, they can meditate at the tree and then they can get psychic powers. Uh, it's a way for tribals to get it without having to, like, 
do a bunch of research to actually befriend the the empire. Mm-hmm. Also, empire bad people uh-huh. uh, should be assumed it's a <laughs> science fiction world, and something is called the empire. It's gonna be evil in some way. <laughs> they will once a year send people to your colony to buy slaves from you if you have them. Yeah, that's a a real testament to how popular Star Wars is. Oh yeah, that we just assume <laughs> empires are evil. Yeah. Always. That's true. I mean, it's probably safe to assume that in real life as well. I guess. But, you know, definitely Star Wars, though, as far as science fiction, you never have, like, the the benevolent empire. <laughs> it just sounds weird to say, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so biotech is the second one. Uh, and I think the big thing with biotech is, that, is it added vampires and mechanators. Uh uh, me- mechanators are, are easier to explain. They have a little implant, all- similar to the royalty psychic power thing. But rather than psychic powers, they can control mechanoids, uh, which I don't think you ever got attacked by. Uh, which, no. good for you. Because uh, they're horrible. Uh, or can be, anyway. Uh, they're like an advanced... like me- It's all in the lore primer if you're sure 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 uh there's also giant insects which i think were also added in biotech uh but you can uh (laughs) you can control these like little uh robots to do things like clean and move stuff and eventually you can level that up through the aforementioned ladder of horrible uh mech bosses to unlock the ability to make those horrible mech bosses to actually fight with you uh, so it's, like, sort of combat-focused. It's also a lot of management, because it, it creates, uh, like, the, the toxic waste packs when they recharge. Uh, there's a lot to it. It's building a, a, a colony around a Mechanator is very interesting and something that I've just started doing recently. Having one just on the side is an enormous pain in your ass. Uh, vampires are vampires, like, exactly as they sound like. Uh, it's a colonist that won't die unless their brain is destroyed. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, they have... Uh, I mean, doesn't dying destroy your brain? Yeah, but they go to... They, they do death rest, which oh, is not course. like dying. <laughs> death rest is like when you go to a farm upstate. Uh, but actually, when uh-huh. you, you go to a farm upstate that has a death rest coffin that you sit in uh, for a while, and then they regrow any missing limbs and any uh, damage that they have, and then they get out of it. And mm-hmm. they go, hey, look, I'm great now. Uh, it's cool. I, I've never had one. I've engaged with one. I've killed one before, but I've never actually had one like as a colonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one day. You have to feed them blood. Uh, so you have to have, like, your colonists either, like, taking, making hemogen packs, uh-huh. uh, just blood bags, uh, by just giving them operations to do that and making sure that you don't take too much blood and kill somebody. Uh, or you can have, like, prisoners set up to be a hemogen farm. Oh, it has to be human blood. It does, it does have to be human okay. blood, yeah. Uh, and then they can feed on, I think they can feed on live people, but like I said, I've, I haven't done it myself right uh but yeah they they have there's like there's even stuff in later expansion ideology that uh that's like you create a colony of people who worship vampires and then you have like a whole like vampire thrall relationship that you can get going of course uh it's very sexy i'm sure a tale as old as time a tale as old as time uh (laughs) 
Uh, but I find that to be very amusing anyway. Uh, I've, like I said, I haven't really engaged uh, with that part of it. Uh, ideology is fantastic, though, because it introduces the ideology system. And what the ideology system is, is a series of things that are going to dictate your colonists' beliefs. And they will get... It basically encourages you to play the game differently than you would normally play it. So, and it's organized in such a way that it's like early game stuff that's like, this isn't going to make too much of an impact. This is going to make a lot of an impact. This is going to entirely change the game of RimWorld for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've dicked around with some of that. There's like a mole people set up where they have to be underground at all times and they hate being out in the sunlight and they'll only eat insect meat and, and mushrooms. And it's just real crazy and difficult to deal with. And then there's ones that are like, we like to be in a diverse zone. The end. That's the whole <laughs> thing. Uh, but it gives you like access to roles. So like basically everybody gets a kind of a superpower in a way. Like people can be uh, thought leaders that like give you, the ability to do other things uh, and their specialists, construction specialists and production specialists, shooting specialists that just take people who are good at something and make them extremely good and able to pass that on to other people. Uh, it's a very deep system and it's something that I, it, it's kind of difficult to describe. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of get deep into it to really understand it. But I deeply, deeply love the ideology system and like I think that it it does such a good job of adding variety to the game that it's it is like one of my favorite things that uh, I've seen added to a system. Can you make a subterranean colony? Sort of uh, underground in terms of Rimworld being on a two D plane uh -huh. just means like in a mountain. So you just mine in, uh, and mm -hmm. then you dig out around it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is considered underground, and it has like different benefits. Like it's cooler uh, when you're under overhead mountain, and it has some drawbacks. Like when you're under overhead mountain, it can spawn an infestation event where a bunch of hives of giant <laughs> insects spawn uh, right in the middle of your base and fuck your whole shit up. <laughs> uh, it's a good time though. I like it a lot. I like. <laughs> The adversity is what draws me to the game. Of course. Uh, hey, I got something that I want to talk about a lot. Okay. But I don't want to talk a lot about it, but it is something that I really want to talk about. Okay. Uh, this game has the greatest soundtrack of any mm -hmm. game of all, ever made. The end. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel pretty neutral about the soundtrack. <laughs> that is unreal. <laughs> the soundtrack is so... It's so perfectly suited for this kind of a game. Mm -hmm. It's like if every song in Outer Wilds was as good as the banjo <laughs> song. Uh-huh. And but it isn't in that game, <laughs> but in this game it is. They're all that good, I think. Mm. Like I would put them all about on par with that theme. Uh, I mean, I, I do have preferences. Obviously, some of them are better than others. They're not actually all on that level. But I think by and large, 
the music just kicks so much ass. Like, it's the kind of music that can fade in without you even realizing it. And then you're just jamming. When, <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, when did I start jamming? Oh, right, because this song kicks ass and I love it. Uh, it has music that plays, like, at certain times. If you're in a particularly prosperous time, it'll play the Ya Ya Yo song that I really like. Mm -hmm. uh, the combat music is all very, like, it's low-key, it doesn't feel, like, really bombastic, but it, it it keeps in tone with the rest of the game. But also, it has that sense of urgency, and sort of, like, the low-key elements of it make more sense, because it's a game where you can just pause combat and think about everything whenever you want to. It's got, like, layers to it, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... As a bonus, I found that if I listen to the soundtrack while doing anything else, I'm just better at that other thing. <laughs> <laughs> it really centers me. I really like this soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I agree that it is very, like, it suits the game super well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think the music's all good, but it didn't really stand out to me. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, that's like a classic, um, like I think just like power of music. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like any game you think you spend a long time with, you get attached to the music. Um, and then the music will be the thing that will get the biggest emotional response from you. Like if you listen to it years later, um, cause I, I, I know this, uh, because I, uh, it's been, been mentioned many times, take a drink. Uh, I listen to like vid chill video game music playlists, like mm. when I work and stuff. Um, and like I played Final Fantasy VII one time uh -huh. in, in high school. <laughs> yeah, uh, I liked it, but I'm not like a Final Fantasy VII fanboy. But like, if I hear Eris theme, come on, I'm like, oh man. Oh, so what a fucking amazing game Final <laughs> Fantasy VII is. <laughs> like the music can like really like get like to your heart. Yeah, and like really elevate your emotions about a thing. So. That's true. And I really appreciate your sort of, like, description of music there. But it's not going to save you. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, but for me, the music in this was just kind of like a video game soundtrack. Uh, before I left this morning, I was almost going to be like, if, if you do nothing else, just listen to the soundtrack through on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, to me, like, it feels, I wish I had said that. <laughs> So that you had like I mean I've heard the points. soundtrack. Yeah, I mean the soundtrack is just so fucking good, and you're a <laughs> you're a wild man, which is an event that can happen at RimWorld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Christ Almighty! Uh, I guess the only other thing I wanted to talk about is just like I think I usually dislike. Uh, randomly generated content in games sure um al algorithmically generated however you want to say it um and think it's often used as a crutch mm -hmm. uh when like just actual game design would make a game much better <laughs> um like an like a designed level rather than a procedurally generated one is usually better in my opinion 10 times out of 10 Okay, but I think this is it's the... usually ten times. Yeah, out of 10, yeah. Better. So it is always. Uh -huh. um, but um, I feel like this is one of the maybe the only or one of the only games I've ever played where I think 
it completely warrants being completely like generated. Like I think it would be worse if you tried to like author content for it. Yeah. And I I never think that about anything. <laughs> that is yeah, I mean that is definitely saying something. I think it, it is pretty clear from like a cursory understanding of the game w- how much of it must be gen- like anybody coming to this game is going to know that what they're looking at is not authored content most of the time. Uh I think that the depth of of random generation it gets a little bit hokey the further down you go, but I fully agree. Like I think that there's everything about this game that is that is generated is justified in its being generated. Uh, particularly just the fact that if you could, and you can, if you like, remember the seed that you create and the coordinates <laughs> of your map, go back and try something on the exact same tile again. But for the sake of like actually playing and enjoying the game, having something unexpected every time is really important. So I will say the, one of the things that attracted me to this game in the first place was seeing somebody's uh, art description. Uh, Whenever you make art, it'll be like this depicts and then stuff that is all randomly generated. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking it was so fucking funny (laughs) And then later on being like, uh, (laughs) it loses the humor, I would say, uh, outside of when it like really serves up something pretty crazy or Mm -hmm. commemorates the best art in the game by far, uh, objectively good art, uh, (laughs) is whenever somebody like is their depiction is of an event that happens Mm. because it is something that you can relate to. And then the ridiculousness of the description isn't as uh, like pointless so much. So it's like, this commemorates when uh, fucking jet was out hunting a dog uh, on the 7th of April, May. And also in the foreground, there are 73 koi fish and it, (laughs) it, It evokes a feeling of pity, and you're like, what does any of that mean? But because I recognize, like, oh, it was that time that he had to go hunt that dog, now it's funny again to right. me, because I'm remembering the time that it happened, and Jed always wore a top hat, and a guy in a top hat hunting a dog is just a funny image. With 73 koi fish? And with 73 koi fish that weren't there, but, you know, you gotta, that's the artistic expression. Exactly, exactly. Uh... It is interesting, but it is not, uh, it loses its luster pretty quickly, I would say. Uh, yeah, love that AI art. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this is something I should have had something for instantaneously. Mm. Uh. Do we have floors thoughts? (laughs) Uh, that's not bad. I mean, it's bad. You mean that it is bad? It is bad, but it might be bad in Furni- a way that's fine. Furniture thoughts? Do we have furniture thoughts? Do we have... But if it instead, instead of being called a boomalope, it was called a fumalope. A fumalope. That would work, Do we have? Do we have thrumbo thoughts? Uh, my thrumbo thoughts are... Uh, this game is super not for me. Um, I, I can envision... 
a scenario where I had more free time mm-hmm. and an enabler, and I could get into this game. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just not gonna happen in this uh, in this timeline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I I do appreciate it. It's obviously really deep and interesting. Uh, and it, it does kind of make me wish that I did have more free time um, to play it. But, um, yeah, I, for, I, I, maybe I got unlucky. Maybe I just didn't put enough time into it. Uh, it's hard to say. But, like, a lot of, like, the interesting stuff you talk about just didn't happen to me at all. Right. Um, and, you know, putting in, like, 15 hours and, like, it just kind of being, like, kind of basic doesn't really feel all that worth it. Uh, to me personally, um, and yeah, I, I think it's just like a kind of like I don't know. There's a lot about it, like um, the kind of like aesthetic and like the polish of like the visuals and things. There's like a lot of little things. Like I like the way it looks, yeah, and like I don't like hate the way it controls. But there's like a lot of little things about like every part of the game that add up uh, that kind of bring my experience down. Um, so. Yeah, I I think it's like it's a kind of game that like is like made for a different kind of person. Um, like I'm a very like visual person, you know. I can imagine like the type of person who made this game, and like people like that person are the people <laughs> that like this game. You know what I mean? Like it it's so niche all the way down to like the way it looks and the way it controls and the way it like. Uh, the information's organized and like every like everything about it just feels very focused to like a specific type of person and I'm not that type of person yeah um but yeah it is super cool um so it, yeah I have like I guess conflicting feelings um because yeah I, it, it's a thing that like I could see myself getting into in another life I guess yeah um but yeah, like I, I don't regret my time spent with it. It's another game like uh, Vampire Survivors, which I also <laughs> didn't get super into. But like, it melts time away. Oh, like yeah. it felt like I played this half as long as I did. Um, like I, I remember like the first night that I played it, I was shocked that it was three and a half hours. Right. You know, like it felt like we maybe played it an hour and a half. Um, so there's something to that, you know, like. I didn't personally find it like addictive, but I imagine like there are people that would mm-hmm. uh, like they could, you know, just can't wanna... imagine. Yeah, you can't imagine. No, but like you know, like just keep going uh, one more season or like enroll another colony and blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, so a lot, a lot good in there. It's just not my thing, and I guess I'll just leave it at that. There's only so many ways I can say that. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, I, I was actually going to start with the saying it melts time, because it is really one of the... It's a really Salvador Dali sort of Of course, uh, yeah. game. The persistence of memory. It's you know? it's a real persistence of memory game, uh, in that it melts time. Like, it, this is one of the... This might be the most egregious example of a game that I have that I have consistently pushed back when I intended to stop playing. Like, I would look at the clock and go like, oh my god, one in the morning, well, I'll just play until two. Oh my god, it's two in the morning, well, three can't hurt. Like, that happened this week. Like, <laughs> and, and uh, like I'm a hundred and some hours into the game. Like, it, it's a thing where 
it, it because there's so much going on and the moment that something gets resolved a new thing crops up that you want to make sure that you do and don't forget because if you forget about it what's gonna happen well i won't have that new chair i needed uh or whatever uh it, it is it does sort of breed a compulsion to continue playing uh which can be good or bad uh but it's something that i haven't felt in like many years uh in, in a lot of ways this game sent me back to childhood in a way one because the first time i played it i felt like i was a baby because i didn't know what anything <laughs> was or what it was doing uh and then i got to sort of grow with the game and be create attachments to the colonists that were there and learn the systems and try and make their lives better in a way that was meaningful and helped their survival chances. And it's weird to think about the game in that way because of the simplicity of its representation. Um, I love this game, obviously. I think that this is a, uh, a <laughs> just like a fantastic way to spend time in a game because there's always so much going on. It, it's, it's a real like mental workout in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think that's what I, I like about it, uh, the, and the music, which is bomb. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I, normally I wouldn't drop this kind of a bomb without giving it, like, a big sort of think. Uh, but this definitely, if I find, if I can talk myself into it, I think is in my top ten of all time games. Like, I really fell for this game, like, way harder than I thought that I would, and don't really foresee myself stopping playing it for a while uh it i'll revisit it at some point but the, it, it really did uh uh fucking do it to me uh so yeah i obviously recommend this game uh i think it's worth watching someone play it uh if you can find anyone somebody playing it for the first time or near the first time to get a feel for what they're doing uh, before you give it a shot, because it really is deep and, and hard to understand at the beginning. Uh, but I do work with Microsoft Excel a lot in my day job, so it came very naturally to me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts 2, a game that's much worse than RimWorld. <laughs> Uh, this one's a long time coming. It really is. Yeah. The honestly, I'm surprised that we didn't do it before talking about Kingdom Hearts three. But that's like a very us now decision to make. And us then was like, I don't know, let's just do Kingdom Hearts three. I think we were always way too self conscious about doing sequels. True. And being like, I don't know if we'll have anything different to say about the sequel <laughs> in the first one. And this one so seems like, kind of absurd. To oh think yeah, about yeah, it. but yeah. like. I think we always pushed that stuff off. And obviously we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 when it came out. So. Oh, yeah. That was going to um, not happen. Yeah. So it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Here we are. Finally getting around to KH2. Dan can finally rejoice because he keeps asking <laughs> us to do it. Uh, so here it comes. <laughs> here, yep. Incoming. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. Splatoon 2, a sequel we did talk about, uh, <laughs> 50 episodes later. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs>
There you can find links to our email address, our Twitter account, the YouTube channel, uh, and you can listen to any of our old episodes, including ones that we did on... You mentioned Sacrifice. That's a strategy game. This game is similar to a strategy game. It's not the worst comparison. <laughs> uh, you can listen to us talk about... Uh, Catherine, a game that I played and went, <laughs> I don't know what this is about. It's clearly not for me, and then didn't play anymore. Yep. <laughs> Those are, that's what I got. Maybe we'll have something later. Yeah, yeah. We have not played anything like this at all. Yeah, no, not really. But feel free to look through the catalog anyway. You can listen to our episode on Baba Is You. Which was by a guy that we designed that designed by someone that we said may be a human computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is actually a job title in RimWorld. So there's a comparison. <laughs> uh, yep. Goodbye. His uh, fucking grow a like button Dra for, for winter. Draft three people in the comment section to help you go uh, uh, ring that bell. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to our security system so that you don't have to worry about mad rats or bad rats too. Turn it <laughs> off. Oh my God. Uh, fucking Chris Remo once again. Chris Remo always doing the Lord's work. Fucking Chris Remo rears his ugly head. <laughs> one more, he rears his perfectly statistically average head. Yes. <laughs> one more time.